Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Who's excited to be at church today? Anybody? Come on, who's excited to be in here right now and not outside? Amen. We are, I don't know, I was making the comment, I think it was yesterday, I said, I don't know if I have ever seen so much rain in July. Um, It is just absolutely crazy. But uh, I'm going to talk really, really loud so you can hear me for the next uh, few minutes. Um, We had an awesome time yesterday. Serve Day 2023 was our big citywide serve day. And uh, about, I think there were a few people that we realized we didn't, we didn't get in on, uh, on the count. So it was somewhere around 140-ish people that showed up to serve yesterday. And uh, yeah, and we had 21 teams. Um, I even received, it was crazy, through the, through the church, we had people reaching out by email and by message. And they were talking about, even the people that mowed their yards, uh, different stories that, that uh, you know, they were going through a difficult time. Somebody showed up to mow their yard for free and how much of a blessing it was. And I think there were 20, it was like 25 yards in just that three and a half hour span. I think 25 yards got mowed. And, uh, and then we were serving at like 17 different locations all across uh, our community. It was just a great day. If you, if you missed it, if you were working or you couldn't be there for whatever reason, um, we have regular serve days every single month where you can be a part. And uh, we would always encourage you to be a part of this one next year. It'll be next July. We'll do another big one like this. It's just an incredible thing uh, for you to be a part of. Summer Blast, you heard it in the announcement, this Wednesday. Pre-K through completed fourth grade. So if your child is going into fifth grade, they can still be registered for this event. They can still be a part of it. We would love for to have them. Uh, we'd love to have them be here. If you want to, to register them, that would help us out tremendously. And also, you can register to volunteer. So there's also a link where you can click that you want to volunteer and be a part of uh, uh, serving at the event. So do that as soon as possible so we can make preparation. Out in the lobby, you may have saw it, maybe you didn't notice it, but there's a box out in the lobby. And so not only do we serve, we were able to serve at City Square yesterday, but um, from time to time we'll partner with different organizations in the community to help them uh, get things that they're needing. And so they are, they are collecting hygiene items. So deodorant, toothpaste, toothbrushes, um, they, they'll allow, they provide meals for those that are homeless or in need. They'll allow, you know, showers, laundry, all those things are completely free. And one thing that they're asking for help with is, is hygiene items. So you can bring over the next couple of weeks, you know, go purchase a few hygiene items if you want to be a part of that. It's a great way that you can help support them and everything that goes in that box is going straight to them to be a blessing and do what it is that, that uh, the Lord's called them to do. And then the last thing I want to show you, uh, a few weeks ago I uh, was talking to you about how because of your generosity we were able to give to rebuild a church in Africa through this organization called, uh, I think it's called Sh- Share the Hope. I'm losing it now. I can't remember exactly what it's called. But uh, they had reached out and said, hey, if, if you're able to do anything, if anybody's able to do anything, and because of your generosity we were able to to fund not only to rebuild their church, but also to, uh, to build it back better with better material so that it could stand up against storms that would come. And they emailed me. I got an email this week, and this is a picture of them actually beginning the work because of the money that you gave 
to help them get everything that they needed. And so they've actually started on that. And as they go on, they said they'll send us more updates and pictures and things like that so that we can even see the finished project uh, of what we were able to do as a church because of, because of your generosity. So that's awesome that we're able to do those things like that. And before we get into the message, I want to pray for another church in our community like we do every single Sunday. Today I want to pray for College Church of Christ. So will you bow your heads and let's say a word of prayer. God, we thank you. We are so grateful that we can come into this room and worship you together, hear your word together. And Lord, we thank you that we get to partner with so many churches across our community. And we lift up College Church of Christ to you today. And we thank you for what you're doing in their body. We thank you for their leadership and their congregation. We pray that you would bless them and that uh, you would help us to link arms with them and every other church to build your kingdom together. We give you all the honor and praise for it in Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, so last week, we wrapped up, we were in it for six weeks, a series where we were talking about the Holy Spirit. And now we're in a, a season where uh, there are some specific messages and words that I think the Lord has put on my heart uh, over the next few weeks that we're going to be diving into. Today is one of those. And as I was preparing this uh, for this Sunday, I, I was thinking about how one of the things we talked about with the Holy Spirit is how he's still speaking to us today, and he'll prompt us to do things, and he'll put things in our mind, like thoughts in our mind, and he'll, he'll nudge us to, to do something for somebody, and how we need to be obedient. But I began thinking that one of the important things to obedience is, is having the space in our lives to be obedient, having the time, and having the energy, and having the resource to actually be obedient. And uh, one thing that came to my mind was how our lives look a lot of times and how we want to be obedient a lot of times but sometimes our lives look like this we can throw this first picture up here anybody's life kind of look like this closet anybody remember a season of your life where it looked like this closet i mean there is not one more thing that you could cram in to that closet and if you pull one thing out it's almost like the entire thing is going to swallow you up come on anybody ever felt like that in your life like life was going to swallow you up because you had so much stuff in your life. And here's what I know about me, and here's what I know about you, that most of us, when our lives look like that, we actually wish our lives look like this next picture. Because when you look at that, come on, where are my people with that personality? You're like, that's what my closet looks like, because I want to walk into my closet and be like, oh. you know, like, it's a breath of fresh air when I walk in. Many of us, our lives look like the first picture, but we wish our lives look like this picture. We wish that we woke up in the morning and we felt like, I can take this on today. I have space in my life today. There is margin in my life today. That's what a lot of us would like in our lives, but many of our lives don't look that way. Now, when you think about the Gospels and you think about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the written accounts of what Jesus did on earth, his life on earth, leading up to his death, burial, and resurrection, you know a lot about Jesus, and you know that Jesus had a lot going on. Would everybody, can, would everybody agree that Jesus had a lot going on? I mean, we're talking about the Savior of the world. But here's one thing that I, ne that I notice about Jesus, is that even though he had so much going on, he was never in a hurry. And he was never too busy for people. And he was never too, too consumed with what was going on in the moment that he couldn't be interrupted by somebody else. In fact, there are instances all throughout the Gospels where Jesus was going to do one thing and was interrupted in the middle of going to do one thing to do another thing. Jesus was never in a hurry and he was never too busy. There was space 
for interruption. There was space for his purpose. There was space for all of that. He lived his life on earth as an example for us with margin, right? There was margin for alone time. There was margin for prayer. There was margin for relationships, margin to be able to teach people, margin to fulfill his purpose, margin to be stopped on his way to do something else somewhere else. And here's one thing that I've noticed as as a pastor, but even just being observant of my own life and probably your life, is that many of us fall into one of two categories or maybe even both. Is that there are some of us that we need to learn how to say no. In fact, can we just all say that together today? This is not a bad word in church. Come on, can we just say it? One, two, three. No. There are some of us that need to learn how to say no. But here's the other side. There are some of us that have learned how to say no to the wrong things. And we have said no to the things that matter so that we can keep, listen to me, so that we can keep the things that don't really matter in our lives. So we have things that are good things, but they are not eternal things. And to be able to keep those things in our lives, a lot of times we will say no to the things that matter most in our lives. And so I want to talk to you uh, for about the next three hours on this topic. I'm joking. It'll only be an hour and a half. But I want to talk to you on this topic. This is the title of the message. Margin for what matters. Listen to me. You need margin in your life for what matters. And I want to go through several areas of our lives, and I'll try to do them as quickly as possible. But several areas of our lives, take my time, take my time. We got till 2 p.m. I'm going to keep you in here so you, don't, so you don't have to go out in the rain, all right? We need margin for what matters. Many of us don't have margin in our lives for the things that really matter. So here's the first thing. If you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write this down. We need margin. Listen, you need margin in your money. You need margin in your money. Oh, dear God, what Sunday did we come to church on where they're going to talk about money? Listen, Jesus talked all the time about this. He talked all the time about it. It's like he knew that his, our devotion would be torn between him and our stuff. The things that we try to accumulate. But listen, you need margin in your money. Here's the reality for some of us in this room, maybe even some of us watching online right now is that our finances are extremely strapped. For many of us, maybe, your finances look like the first closet. Your financial situation looks like there is so much crammed into your life and so many payments and things going out of your account that you don't have margin to do anything that really matters. And here's probably the truth that many of us find ourselves in is that we want to give, but we can't. I think there are a lot of us in this room or watching online that you want to. You want to be a part of what God is doing. You want to be a part of being generous and loving other people well and blessing others, but we just can't. We want to be blessing the people around us and being able to be obedient with our finances, but we just can't. Listen, can I... Can I just get all in your business for a moment? Is that all right? That's, that's okay, right? You're sitting in the seat and I have the microphone. Is this, 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 is, this is good? Okay. Some of us want to be obedient. We want to be generous. But our seven streaming services have all of our money. 
<laughs> I love you. I love you. Listen, some of us have not created any margin in our finances to be able to do what God wants us to do. And if God was to, if God was to ask you or prompt you to do something, it's not that you don't want to do it. You can't do it. Because there's nothing there for you to be able to do it with. We need margin. Listen, some of us want to bless others. Come on. But we got three vehicle payments. And we can't, we can't be obedient with what God has given us because it's going out to everybody else. It's going out to all of these things that are not bad things. I am not against you having three vehicles. Nobody is against that. God is not opposed to you having a nice house and nice things and all of this stuff in your life. But when you have blocked out and excluded any margin, like your financial life is all the way to the edge of the paper, there's no room for you to do anything else if the Lord leads you to. That's when it becomes a problem. Because God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. And for most of us, we want to do that. But we have put ourselves in situations where we can't do that. And here's the reality. This isn't going to change overnight. But you know what you can do today? Today can be a turning point to where you make a plan. And you say, you know what, three years from now, I want to be in that position. I want to be able to do exactly what God tells me to do when he tells me to do it with my finances. And I want to give to that. Listen, some of you have a desire in your heart. There's a great movie out right now called Sound of Freedom that you need to go watch. I'll just put that plug in here right now. But some of you have a desire for ministries like that that are rescuing people and doing things for people. And, and God has put that in your heart and you want to be able to give and you want to be able to support and you want to be able to invest in that. But you just can't. You just can't. You've, you've, you've crowded out any ability for you to be able to do what God wants you to do or the desire that's in your heart that God put there. Because you... Your, your financial situation looks like the first closet. And God wants your finances to look like the second closet where you, you step into it and you're like, I can't believe I get to do this with what God has blessed me with because I've been obedient and I've created margin. What would it look like for you to budget margin? For you to set aside some, some things, a percentage even of what is coming in so that you can do what God wants you to do. We have, um, we have about once a year, there's a grow group that, uh, that we do as a church. And it's called Financial Peace University. And if I had my way, everybody sitting in this room right now and watching online would go through this course. Because it's all about how you can free up, how you can get out of debt, and you can... You can Stop allowing your financial life to look like the first closet and get to the place where it looks like the second one to where when God says to do something, you're like, I'm so thankful I get to do that. I'm so thankful I get to do that. It's like a breath of fresh air that I get to do that. God wants there to be margin in your finances, margin in your money. Look at a few verses with me. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18 says, Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. Did you know that it is actually God who has given you the ability and the power to be successful? If you're in here today and you own a business and your business is thriving and God has been blessing, did you know that it is God who has given you the knowledge and God who has given you the wisdom and God who has given you the people and God who has given you the resource to be able to do what you do? 
It's God who's given you that ability. I think it's the same for us, that God is the one who, He's given us the ability to start the business, to make the money, to be successful, to fulfill those desires that He put in our heart. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he, then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. You know what I love about the Proverbs is the Proverbs are practical wisdom for everyday living. That you can actually go through, there are 31 Proverbs and in some months there are 31 days and on the months when there are 30 days you can just double up on the last day. But you can read a proverb a day and get this godly wisdom inside of you every single day, every single month, all year long. But in this proverb the writer says, you know what happens when you honor God with your wealth, when you honor God with what you have, when you honor God in this area of your life, God honors that. Because he sees somebody who is a good steward of what he's given, and so he wants to bless even more because he knows that he can funnel through you what he wants to do in the earth. And he knows I can look down and I, I can trust that person, that if I give them resources, they'll ask me what to do with it. If I give them resources, they will margin, they will budget, they will allow space for me to be able to prompt them to do things in their life. Look at this, Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Isn't it, isn't it amazing to think that the generous people are the ones who prosper? Have you ever seen, you ever met somebody who was so generous, and they had so much joy it was like they were smiling, they were loving life because they were able to do with what God had given them. They were able to do what God wanted them to do. And they were generous here and they were giving here. And when there was a need to be met, they met it here. And when they found somebody that needed help, they were able to help them because there was margin, there was space. They were stewarding in such a way that God could use what he had blessed them with. And this concept seems backwards a lot of times, right? That the gen giving freely and you'll become more wealthy Right? Like, I think it's the message version that says that the world of the generous gets larger and larger and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The more you try to hold on to everything that you have, the smaller your world, the smaller your influence, the smaller your life gets. But the more that you are generous with everything that God is blessing you with and asking the Lord, what do you want me to do with it? I'm going to create margin. I'm going to budget in this way and I'm going to handle it in this way. The larger your life gets and the more influence you have and the more generous you can be and the more God can bless you so that you can be a blessing to other people in your life. And if you've ever thought that you didn't have enough to be able to be generous, you might can relate to uh, the group of people that Paul was writing to in 2 Corinthians. This is chapter 8, starting in verse 1. He says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are always filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. Did you just hear what I just read? He says, there's a group of people who have been going through some stuff, and they don't have a lot, but they have joy on the inside of them, and they just want to be generous with what they do have. And then he, look, he goes on, for I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. In other words, Paul is taking up an offering. If you read the concept of this, this leads into chapter 9, which is talking about how God loves a cheerful giver. 
And if you read all of chapter 8 and go into chapter 9, Paul is taking up an offering and he goes to him and he says, hey, you should finish what you promised you were going to do, what, I, what you said you were going to do. And he starts talking about this group of people that did not have a lot and they were going through difficulty, but they were begging to be a, to be a part of, of generous giving in, in whatever way was needed for this other group of people. Paul said, there's another group of people that I'm taking up an offering for and they were begging, can we please, can we please give? Can we please help you? Can we please do this? They even did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus, Titus who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. What if we began to budget every month to be able to have margin for the things that God wants us to do? Did you know that this is even what we do as a church? That at the end of the year, whenever we're setting a budget for the next year, we don't even budget 100% of what came in for that year, for the next year. We will leave at least 10% margin aside. you know why we do that? So that we can say yes to God. You know why you need to do that? So that you can say yes to God. And listen, you're a generous church. You are generous people. We're able to do so much ministry. Like yesterday, serve day, completely paid for by your generosity. All of the shirts that we were able to wear, which were great conversation starters, by the way. All of the shirts we were able to wear all of the tools that we took, all of the things we were able to go and get to replace items or fix things or do this or that or whatever, every bit of that was paid for by your generosity. Every bit of it. We don't have to ask for a dime from anybody in the community. We don't have to go to them and be like, hey, this is what you need to do, but we're going to need a little bit. Of no, we want to finish the job, do it well, and we have opportunity to do that because it has been margin. There is margin. There is margin to be able to do that. Margin to be able to give generously or do whatever God wants you to do. I wrote it down this way. I dare you to start creating margin in your finances to give, to be generous, to do kingdom things and see what God does in your heart. I dare you to do that. We have, we have never, listen, and I believe this can be true of you. We have never had to stand on this stage and tell you we, needed th like, we need this offering, we need this offering, we need this offering. No. You know why? Because whenever we do it God's way, whenever it's biblically based, giving is biblically based, your generosity is biblically based, then God's able to do more than we could ever imagine. And listen, it's because many of you, you're obedient. You're obedient in this way. And you're generous with your giving. And we're able to do so much ministry because of that. So you need margin in your money. Here's the second thing. You need margin for your assignment. You need margin for your assignment. Another reality for some of us in the room is that we are so strapped in our time, right? We want to serve, but we can't. We want to fulfill our purpose, but we can't. We want to build the kingdom, but our schedule is too full of other things, and so we don't have the time for what God wants us to do. And there's an assignment, a, a few verses I want to read. There's an assignment for everybody that, that you're probably all familiar with, and I want to read uh, a couple of different places, one from Matthew, one from Mark. Matthew 28, Jesus says it this way. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Mark 16, 15. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news 
to everyone. Do you think that when God gave us this assignment collectively as, as believers, that he knew that you were going to need to have a job and you were going to need to provide for your family and that you were going to have other things going on and you were going to have family obligations? Do you think that God in his foreknowledge knew that all of that stuff was coming? He did. And yet he still said, here's what your primary assignment is. Go and make disciples. Can I ask you a question? How can you go and make disciples if you're so strapped on your time that you don't have time to sit down with somebody and have a 30-minute conversation when they're walking through something in their life? Or somebody that is a new believer in the faith and they come to you and they're like, I don't know really what it looks like to walk this thing out. Can you help me? Well, I would, but I don't have any time in my schedule to be able to set aside to have any conversation with you. We have to have margin for what we've been assigned to do. And some of us have placed so much stuff in our life that all of our time is taken up, and we can't be about the things that God really wants us to be about because we just don't have time. It's not that we don't want to. You want to. I want to, but I've got to have margin for it. I've got to budget my time. But not only does God have, I believe, this overview or this overarching assignment for all of us, I think that there's something that he's called you specifically to do. I think there are desires he's put into your heart. I think that there are giftings he's given you specifically to accomplish something specifically. And it reminds me, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, I love this. because It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Did you know that sometimes not having margin, it could be a weight? Anybody ever felt heavy because you didn't have margin? There was no, there was like, you didn't have any space in your life for anything other and it just felt heavy. You woke up and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to do everything that I have crammed into my life today. You went into Monday morning and it's like Sunday night, you go to bed and you're like, I don't even want Monday to come because this week is so crammed full of things going on in my life. He says to strip all of that away and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. There is a race that I'm called to. There's a race that you're called to. There are specific giftings and talents and abilities and things that God has given you and God has given me to accomplish something specific. You have desires in your heart uh, for kingdom things that may not be in my heart. My desires, the desire that I have for things like you may not be as passionate about the things that I am. But that's because God has given you unique abilities and talents and gifts to be able to do the things that he's given you to do. There's a purpose for your life. I love this in Ephesians chapter 2. We read this verse quite often, but it's a great reminder that for we are God's masterpiece. And look at this. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Before you were ever born, before you were ever created, God had a plan for your life. Specific things that he was calling you to. And then you were born and you came into the world and you surrendered your life to Jesus and God said, now you can step into the thing and the plan that I have for your life and that's why you're gifted that way and that's why you have that talent and that's why you have that ability and that's why I've given you that in your life is so you can use it for this specific purpose. There's a purpose for you to fulfill, a specific assignment and we've got to have margin for the assignment. Here's the third thing. We need margin for relationships. We need margin for relationships. And here's the thing, some of us have kept ourselves so isolated. Uh, some of us, our schedule isolates us from other people because our schedule is so full, we don't have time for relationship. We don't have time to connect with people. We wish that we had close friends, but we don't. We, we know that we should have relationships in our life, but we don't. We, we should get on a team and serve with others and build connections, but we don't. 
And Galatians 6 and verse 2 says to share each other's burdens. Some translations say carry one another's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Can I just ask you a simple question? How can I carry your burden and you carry my burden if I don't know you? If we don't have relationship and I don't know what's going on in your life, how can we fulfill what Paul was writing to the Galatian believers? He said, you need to share one another's burdens. Now listen, here's the reality. I can't know all of you. And you can't know everybody in this room or everybody that was at the 9 a.m. Like you, you can't know everybody, but you can know some people. You can know some people. There needs to be some people in your life that you have set aside time for relationship. You've set aside time to connect with them. You've set aside time to put yourself in environments where you can connect with people. And one of our values as a church is that we want you to find family when you come here. In fact, there's even a tagline that says, show up for church and end up with family. That's our prayer, is that you would show up for church and that would, like, you would just, as you keep coming, you're like, wow, this has become family. Wow, now I'm getting connected. Wow, now I know all these people. Now I'm, I'm connected to all these people, that you would find family here. This is why we talk so much about getting on a team. It's where you meet people. Yeah. It's where you connect with people. Come on, you're sitting in a kid's classroom with, with, with somebody else or a couple other people, and you're having conversation, and you're connecting, and you're talking about life. This has happened so many times. I could tell you countless stories of how this has happened to people, yeah. where now they are connected with people because they serve together. Yeah. They're hanging out together throughout the week because they've served together in the church. It's where you get to know people. That's why you need to go through next steps. And we have next steps coming up the first two Sundays in August, right? Where you can not only, it's where we give you our vision and why we do what we do, but it's not just that. It's also so that we can share with you how you can get involved, how you can get on a team, how you can meet people, how you can get connected, how people can know you. That's what it's all about. This is why we have marriage nights. It's because you need margin in your life. For your marriage relationship, can I just ask you this question? When was the last time that you had a date with your spouse? Come on, come on. When was the last time that you set aside time and you got a babysitter and you said, can you watch these kids? I know they're crazy. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I know, like, I know when I leave here, they're not going to be in bed till like 12 a.m. I know that this is going to be absolutely nuts, but we need a date. <laughs> because my marriage relationship matters. It matters. You need to have time set aside where you can date your spouse and you can have time together. This is why we have team rallies, right? We rally everybody together that serves in the church. We have these big nights where, where we may worship together. Or we're here an encouraging message or we have fun together and we play games together. And we do it because it's about, it's about community. It's about knowing one another and connecting with one another, setting aside time for relationships. It's why we have the summer kickoff party and you're thinking, well, I thought all these things were just things that we did. No! They are so intentional. There is nothing going on here that's not intentional. I promise you. Well, why don't we do this, Pastor Gabe? Because it's not intentional. Because it's not accomplishing what we, what we feel like God has set us here to accomplish. There are things that we are working toward and that we want every single person that calls this church home to experience. And the reason we have groups and teams and serve team rallies and marriage nights and summer kickoff parties is not so that we can just spend money. It's an investment. It's an investment in you building relationship and connecting with one another. It's an investment so that you can have an opportunity. Listen, we'll just make it easy for you. Just show up to the thing that we paid for. Just show up to the thing that your generosity provided for. And meet some people and connect with people and do life together. It's one of the best ways that you can find 
your people and you can connect with those in the church and it's only possible if you have margin in your life to be able to serve and be able to be a part of these things. If your life's so crammed full that you can't ever be a part of anything, then you, you miss out on relationship. You miss out on getting to know people in your life. You've got to have margin in your life and in your schedule to be able to get coffee with somebody, to be able to do life with somebody, to be able to sit down and have a conversation with somebody. We can't be too busy for people and relationships. We can't be too busy for people and relationships. Here's the next thing. We need margin for growth. Margin to grow. Some of us, uh, we have every minute of our time taken from us. There's so much crammed in that we don't have an opportunity to grow. Not only build relationship, but we don't have an opportunity for the things that are intentional to help us grow. We, we don't even know how we got to this place a lot of times, but we've allowed people, we've allowed things, we've, allowed, we've given our time over to these things. And then we come home late from work or we come home late from that thing, just enough time to shower and get in bed and repeat the cycle the next day. And there's no margin. There's no margin. And you wake up and by Thursday you're exhausted. Because there was no margin, there was no margin to spend time with God. There was no margin to be a part of a community of believers. There was no margin for these things. And we want to be in a group, but we just can't. We want to attend a ladies' night, but we just can't. We want to be at a men's breakfast, but we can't. We want to read our Bible, but we just can't. We want to be at church more often and more consistently, but we just can't. We want to pray more, but we can't. And the reason it's so important for us to create margin in our lives in this area is because these are environments with men and women of God that will strengthen you and encourage you and you can grow together in these environments. This is why they are available. It's not to have another thing for people to just show up to. It's because part of our vision and mission as a church is to see you grow, to see me grow, that we don't need just surface level Christianity. That there needs to be a deeper level of Christianity going on behind the scenes where you're in groups together and you're growing and you're strengthening one another and you're in community with other people. The writer of Hebrews, he, he even wrote this, he said in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Listen, we have to budget time to meet together. If it's not on your calendar... Probably won't happen. Have you, ever, have you ever had good intentions to do something and it just, you just put it off and you 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 put it off and then you put it off and then you thought, well, on Saturday I'm going to do it and then you put it off again and then, well, you know, maybe Monday I'll have, and then you put it off and maybe, you know, well, maybe next week and then you put it off and you put it off. You, put it off. you know why you keep doing that? Because you didn't create time for it. Yeah. You didn't budget time to do that. And so it keeps being put off because there was no, there was just too much going on. Too much going on. And listen, this is something, I'm not preaching anything to you today that I'm not learning myself Amen. in real time. Amen. I mean, sometimes we just cram so much stuff in, we don't have time for the things that God's like, you know, if you would do this, this would really matter. Yeah. If you do this, it could change somebody's life. If you could do this, you would see your spiritual life grow significantly. If you would have margin in your life for these things, right? We, we have to budget time to be in groups. We have to budget time to gather with other men, with other women. We have to budget time to be at church. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14 says, There is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Can we just pause right there for the cause? The writer says, you know what? There is so much more I'd like to say to you, but it's really hard to explain it to you because you're spiritually dull and you just don't listen. 
you just don't listen. Some of this just became your marriage verse right now. It's like, you know, there's so much more I'd like to explain to you and say to you, but you just don't listen. And this is not a condemning verse. This is a, this is a where most of us are a lot of the time. He says, there's, much, there's a whole lot more out there. There's a whole lot more that God wants to do. There's more that he wants to teach you. There's more, to, there's more for you to dive into. But some of you are just spiritually dull, and you just don't seem to listen. Don't get mad at me. I didn't write it. <laughs> he says, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Listen, if we don't have any margin for spiritual growth in our lives, then we end up remaining spiritually immature. Because we did not create time and space for environments to grow. And because of that, we remain spiritually immature a lot of the time. And that's not the way God wants us to live. God's desire for us is that we would be transformed, that we would be growing, that we would becoming, be becoming more and more like Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4, 15 and 16. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his church or his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And listen to this. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts, say this with me, grow. As each person does what they were created to do, it helps everyone else grow. But many of us can't do what we were created to do because we don't have any space. We don't have any margin. We don't have any time. We don't have any resource left to do what we were created to do. 2 Corinthians 3.18, so all of us who have been, who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is a spirit, look at this, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Listen, it's not God's plan for your life for you to stay spiritually immature. But in order to grow, you have to, you have to make time. That's right. You have to have margin in your life that says, no, I, 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 this time is blocked out for this environment because I'm going to grow today. Yeah. This time is blocked out for me to attend a worship service because I need to hear God's word on a weekly. This time is set aside for me to be in the scripture because I need this to grow in my life. I've got it blocked out. There's margin for it. Spiritual growth is essential we got to create margin in our lives, be intentional about our spiritual growth. Here's the next thing. We need margin for intimacy. Some of us, listen, some of us have settled, have settled for a prayer that we prayed for salvation instead of an intimate relationship with God. And we prayed a prayer one time, but it's never gone any farther than that. And, and here, here might be the reality. For you. you want to, but you don't know how to fit it in. You want to, but you're like, Pastor Gabe, I want to, but I would have to get up at 3.30 in the morning to do that. Can I just submit to you, there might be too much other stuff going on in your life if you don't have time for an intimate relationship with your Heavenly Father. You need intimacy with God. You need to create margin for intimacy with God. In Genesis, come on, the very first book of the Bible, at the very beginning of the Bible, we see that God, He creates humans and he walks with them in the cool of the day. Listen, it was always God's intent to have an intimate relationship with his kids. But somewhere along the line, we have replaced that with busyness. We have replaced that with trying to make more, do more, be more. And God's like, seek first the kingdom. 
and my righteousness. And everything else will be added unto you. I have, I have created a system. Come on, I can hear God right now. Like I have created a system that if you will seek me, an intimate relationship with me, my righteousness, then everything else is going to be added to you as well. Don't worry about those things. Don't strive after those things. Seek me. Have an intimate relationship with me. God has always wanted for us to truly know him. Look at these verses from Philippians. I want to pull something out of the middle of it where, where Paul is, is communicating here. And he says, watch out for those dogs, those people who are evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. And look at this. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I was discarded. I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ, for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, share in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. What is Paul saying? He says, if anybody has a, a reason to be proud of what they've accomplished, it's me. But when I compare that to knowing Jesus and having an intimate, close relationship with Jesus, it's nothing. In fact, it's garbage. Most translations, tra this, is, this, is, this is proper. Most translations say it's like dung compared to knowing Jesus. It means nothing. It means nothing. And many of us, we're, we're chasing after things that when push comes to shove, listen to me. When push comes to shove at the end of your life, you're not going to be laying on your deathbed saying, I'm so glad I did all that. I'm so glad I accomplished all that and I made all that and I achieved all that and I did all that. No, those things are not bad things. And we, we, we provide and we do and we work hard. Christians should be the hardest working people at your job. Because we're working as if we're working unto the Lord. But at the same time, if there's no margin in your life because it's so crammed full of other things that you can have intimacy with your Heavenly Father, man, something needs to shift. Something needs to shift. And Paul said that everything else in his life, it's worthless compared to truly knowing Jesus. And what would it look like for me and you to be able to say this? Not just with our words, but when people look at our life, they would say, you can tell by the way they live. Like, they value intimacy with God. They value intimacy with God because of how they've structured. The, there's margin for it. There's space for it. Here's the last thing I want to share with you, and then we'll close. I think we need margin for nothing. Margin for nothing. And for some of you, maybe this is the one that's going to land the hardest with you today. That you need margin for nothing. Some of us, listen, some of us never stop running and going and achieving and doing. We never rest. 
we never rest. And God did not create you with the ability to keep going and going and going and going and going. Listen, you are not the Energizer Bunny, and even those batteries die at some point. (laughs) It's kind of false advertisement. (laughs) And for some of you, the enemy has fed you a lie that you have believed, that you can keep going and going and going and going and going and going and just beating your drum. And at some point, it runs out. Because you have not been honoring God with rest in your life. And for most of us, we want to feel rested, but we don't. And we want to have time for fun, but we don't. When was the last time you just had fun? You ever lay in bed at night and you're just thinking, what happened to the fun? What happened to the fun in our marriage? What happened to the fun that comes with serving God? What happens to the fun that we had with our kids? What happened to the fun? Like, we just quit quit creating margin for it. That space got taken up with other things, one thing at a time. And now we're so into this that we don't have the margin to do the things that really matter. And listen, I'm telling you, one of those things, it's rest. It's rest. You need time to rest. We want to be refreshed, but we never stop long enough to actually be refreshed. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. Having a day of rest is one of the Ten Commandments that God gave His people. You know that? God set an example. In six days, he created the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, he what? Rested. I heard someone put it this way one time. said, thou shalt not kill. Okay. Don't commit adultery. Okay. Thou shalt not lie. All right, I believe that. Rest. Have a day. Have a Sabbath where you rest. Have some time set in your calendar to rest. I, I was listening to someone speak on this a while back. I said they were trying to set up a meeting with somebody. And they made a phone call and said, hey, how are you doing? Oh, good. Hey, I'd like to get together and let's do lunch. Let's meet together, whatever. He said, how about, how about Thursday? He said, oh, I can't do Thursday. Okay, well, well, how about Friday? Well, I can't do Friday. Well, what do you have scheduled on Friday? Nothing. Well, if you have nothing scheduled on Friday, then why can't you meet with you on Friday? No, I literally have nothing written on my calendar to do on Friday. That on Friday, it says, do nothing. I mean, my goodness, when was the last time you just laid in your pool? Some of you are like, is this even like, is this like a heretical message from church? Like, is this even the Bible? When was the last time that you just sat down and you just had fun with your kids? And you rested? When was the last time you went out on your front porch, listen to me, and you sat down with nothing to do except thank God for everything he had given you? Amen. And you sit out and you look at the trees and you look at the, you know, the things you have in your backyard or that your kids are playing on and you just sat there and you thought, oh, today I'm just going to rest. I'm just going to appreciate everything that God has given me and I don't need to do anything today. I can just rest today. Rest is, not only, rest is not only necessary, but it's also a way that we show God that he's more important and that we trust him. Many of us don't rest because we don't trust God. We've got to do it. Oh, if I don't work. Some of you have plans for after church for all the things that you need to get done, and you need to cancel all those plans and go home and take a nap. Come on. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, amen, hallelujah, bless God. (laughs) 
<laughs> He's like nudging your spouse. Did you hear him? Did you hear him? <laughs> Listen, some of you just don't rest. Yeah. You don't rest. And I, look, at, look at some of these verses, okay? This is, this is in Exodus 20. It says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. I'm like, tell the dogs to quit working. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like take a day and rest. Exodus 31, in verse 15, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh must be a Sabbath day of complete rest, a holy day dedicated to the Lord. Anyone who works on the Sabbath must be put to death. Now, I'm not telling you today, thank God we're under the new covenant. Because nobody's going to put you to death today. But can, will you listen to me for a minute? Will you look at me for a minute? Some of you are killing yourselves. Because you won't do this. And nobody's going to put you to death. But you're putting yourself to death. Because you won't rest. You won't. You won't take a day off. You're seven days a week. Well, this is like, well, this is the busy season. And in two months, you know what it's going to be for you? The busy season. Oh, well, this isn't the busy season. This is the building season. This is when we really need to build this thing up, and so I can't afford to take any time to do anything. Can I read you a verse? Can I read you a verse? Exodus 34 and verse 21. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but on the seventh day you must stop working, even during the seasons of plowing and harvest. When it's a building season, you better be resting. When it's a harvest season and you look out and you're like, oh, but the money's coming in and I can't afford to tell those people no because if I tell them no and I take a day off and I take a day of rest, then what if that goes away? You're not trusting God. Yeah. You're just not. Is this too, like, is this too in your face this, today? You're not trusting God. The reason we do this is because we think we've got to do it. And the reason Jesus or, or God set this up with his people in the Old Testament was like, you need to know, you need to know on the seventh day, there's not even going to be any food on the ground. That the ability for you to do that on the seventh day is not even there. It's not even there. Because I want you to take a day and honor me and recognize you are God and I am not God and I don't have to work all the time to be able to make a living or to get better or to do this or that. No, I'm honoring God and I'm going to rest. Amen. I'm going to rest. Well, Pastor Gabe, that's all the Old Testament. Okay. Mark 2.27, I want you to look at what something Jesus said. Then Jesus said to them, okay, the Pharisees are calling out, well, your disciples are eating grain on the Sabbath. And Jesus goes through this thing and he's talking about how, well, if like if your animal falls in a ditch on the Sabbath, are you not gonna put are you gonna leave it there? Like he's making a point. He says, You've turned the Sabbath into a religious requirement. And it was never intended for that. And look at what Jesus says. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. In other words, he says the Sabbath was not created so that people could keep a religious thing. The Sabbath was created for people so that you could have a day of rest, so that you could have time off, so that you could have time for fun and to just sit back and thank God for whatever he's done. We could say it this way. Resting isn't something we do to make God happy. 
Resting is something God created to keep us healthy and relying on him. Resting is not something that's like, well, if I don't rest this week, God's going to be mad at me. And Jesus' response to that would be, the Sabbath was not created as a requirement for people. It was made to meet the needs of people. I have given you this opportunity to take a day off and rest. Rest. Resting is not something we do to make God happy. It's something that God created to keep us healthy and help us rely on Him. Will you stand to your feet? Worship team, you can come back and help me. Just want to go through these one more time just to remind you we need margin for these things in our life our money our assignment our relationships our growth our intimacy with god and to do nothing and just to help you remember you can see what we've spelled and it's the word margin listen you need margin in your life you need margin in your life You need margin in your life. Some of you are so stressed out because there's no room in your life for anything that matters. And it may not happen overnight. Listen, you're not going to leave here today and be like, margin tomorrow in every area of my life. But you can develop a plan with the help of the Holy Spirit to find margin and create margin in your finances. To rediscover, be reminded of what your purpose is. And how you can create time for that. To be able to get around some people and have relationship with people. To be able to get in environments where you can grow spiritually. To have intimacy in your relationship with God and to rest. 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 Rest so that when you get up the next day, you're ready to do what God's called you to do because you're energized and you've had time to thank God and you said, you know what, God, I trust you more than I trust my ability to get all of this done. You need rest in your life. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to invite our prayer team to come down and we're going to sing this last worship song. We're going to have an opportunity for you to receive prayer if you need prayer for anything in your life. But I just want to pray over you because I know that that this message lands differently with everybody because there's some of you that could relate to one. There's some of you that could relate to all six. There's some of you that it was three out of the six that you're like, man, I know that that's a struggle in my life and I need to make a change. And so, Lord, right now, as we stand in this room, I thank you. I thank you that you are speaking to us individually even right now in this moment. Lord, that you are speaking to our hearts and you are, you are revealing things to us, maybe some shifts that need to be made, maybe some things that need to be Uh, removed from our lives that may be good things but they've replaced you in our lives and they're not allowing us to be able to do the things that are most beneficial and what matter for eternity so God I pray you give us fresh eyes to see the things that matter for eternity the eternal things eternal things in our lives and Lord I pray that you'd give us courage courage to make the shifts courage to make the changes courage to develop the plan to get us maybe it's not going to happen overnight but maybe it's a year from now maybe it's three years from now that this is where we want to be where we can honor God in this way and so how can we get there and we're going to develop a plan on how we can get there God wherever this lands with every person here and those watching online I pray that you would give us wisdom give us wisdom to know what to do and as we sing this last song I pray that you would draw every person today who needs prayer for anything in their life 
in Jesus' name. Amen.